BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hi besties, welcome back to Trinity to Care or if you're new here, welcome to Trinity to Care. My name is Ashley. Thanks for clicking on today's episode and hanging out with me today. So as a lot of you know, I am a pretty emotional person, which is totally okay. I own it, but I've come to realize that I'm triggered by a lot of things, especially things from my past. I've come to realize that who I am today is based off things that I've gone through or things that I've struggled with. And like, it's like, obviously, duh, you know, you wouldn't be who you are today without everything you've been through, good or bad. But a lot of what I do and the way I react to things is directly connected to my past. I thought it would be interesting to talk about it. Like I said, there's good and bad things, but today I want to focus on the negative things because I think it would be good for me to talk through and some of you might be able to relate to to it, so it might actually help you. The reason I think it's important to make the correlation between who you are now and the things that you've gone through is so you have clarity to why things affect you the way that they do. Rather than being upset over something and having no idea why it made you feel the way it did, you're able to connect it to something which validates your feelings and it makes it easier to digest. Instead of thinking, oh my God, why am I so worked up over this? Why am I feeling like this? It's not that big of a deal. I'm being overdramatic. I need to get a grip. It's like, no, this thing resembles something that happened to me that I clearly struggled with and it's bringing up feelings. It's bringing up things that I felt when that thing did happen to me. Not only is it helpful for you, but it also helps people around you understand what's happening when you are struggling. There's been so many times where I get worked up over something and the person that I'm with, like my boyfriend, doesn't understand why I'm freaking out the way I am because to them it seems like no big deal. It seems like I'm overreacting. And when I don't know what's bothering me and then someone asks me why I'm reacting the way that I am, it upsets me even more and it creates an even bigger problem. Whereas if I know exactly what's going on and I can pinpoint what's triggering me, I can de-escalate the situation. It also gives them that clarity so that they can help me feel better or at least they don't feel like 
they did anything wrong. With all of that being said, let's get into today's episode. Here are a few things that I've made notes of that trigger me. Also, keep in mind that these are only a few that I'm sharing. Obviously, there's more, but I chose these ones because I didn't think that they were too triggering for any of you to listen to. I don't ever want my podcast to be hard to digest. I don't ever want to upset you when you're listening. I just wanted to give that disclaimer to let you guys know that I'm not going to talk about anything too intense today. So hopefully that's good with you. So let's get into it. Okay, so when I was planning this episode, the first one that came to mind was people in school, in elementary school, middle school in particular, making fun of the way I smell or how dirty my house was. Just to give you an idea of what my home life was like during this time, definitely not wealthy, definitely not poor. I would say middle class. My family also had a lot going on during this time period, during my time in elementary school and middle school. So I don't think cleaning the house, keeping it in order was a priority of theirs. I also wouldn't say that I was dirty by any means. I took showers, I wore clean clothes but my dad smoked cigarettes in the house. So my house smelled like cigarettes, I smelled like cigarettes, and I grew up around a lot of other girls who had a lot of money and were the clean girl aesthetic as kids, like that would go to school wearing Hollister and Abercrombie and their hair perfectly nice. I remember in fifth grade, all of them shaving their legs and wearing bras, and it just seemed they were so much more put together than I was. When you're a kid, you really only know what you're brought up to know. You learn everything from your parents. You learn everything from your environment. So growing up in my house, that was my everyday life. That was just what I knew. So I didn't know what was considered clean or dirty. I obviously recognized that the girls around me had big houses, nice houses, they had nice clothes, they smelt good, but I didn't think, okay, my house isn't nice, my house is dirty, I don't smell good. I didn't pay attention to any of that, I didn't pay attention to the cleanliness. I was just a kid, like I just didn't care until they noticed and made it a thing. My mom was someone who always encouraged me to have friends over. She would throw birthday parties for me. But just because she was allowing me to have people over doesn't mean that she was cleaning the house because she wasn't. She didn't care about that and I didn't know any better. So I would have friends over, not thinking anything of it. And then eventually I hear that these girls no longer want to come over because it smells and it's dirty. My house or the way that I smell never bothered me. I never even noticed it. But once it was pointed out to me, I became extremely aware, extremely insecure. Now as an adult, I'm so precautious about being clean and smelling good and keeping my space clean. Whenever I have anyone over, even if it's for 10 minutes, I deep clean my house and I still will be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry for the mess. I'm so sorry. It it might smell bad. I have dogs. I'm over apologizing for my space because I'm so afraid of being judged and rejected because of how people treated me when I was younger. And I definitely do think it partially made me start comparing myself to others at a really early age. 
before hearing people talk about me and my home, I didn't really think about the other girls. But once those thoughts were put into my mind, that's all I could do. All I could do was compare myself to the other girls. And I think that's part of why I struggle with my appearance now. The clean girl aesthetic is such a big thing and I never felt like I fit that even when I do all the things that clean girls do. Even when I shower and moisturize and I slick my hair back and I wear really put together clothes, I still don't feel clean. I still don't feel like how I'm supposed to feel. And I know that I'm not dirty and I do smell good and my house isn't dirty and it does smell good, but I still feel the way that I did when I was younger. When I go on TikTok and I see these girls posting their Sunday resets, cleaning their house, showing their clean girl aesthetic products that everyone needs, their essentials, it brings me back to a time of comparing myself to other girls and what they had and their houses and what they look like and all of that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you listen to my recent episode on seasonal depression, you know that I struggle during this time of year. The holidays can be festive and fun, but they can also be sad and isolating for a lot of people. I've talked about a few things that can help seasonal depression, but one that I think is so important is therapy. When you have the winter blues, therapy can be something to look forward to, make you feel grounded, and also give you the tools to manage everything going on. The reason I really love therapy is because I've always had really big emotions and I overthink everything. And before this podcast, it felt like I had nowhere to talk about what I was going through or what I was thinking. But therapy quickly became that place where I felt safe and secure enough to put everything out on the table. If you're looking to try out therapy, BetterHelp is a really great place to start because it's entirely online, which makes it convenient and flexible. Also, BetterHelp makes sure that you're being put with a therapist who meets your needs, and if they don't, you could switch therapists at any time. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash TNTC today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TNTC. Thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring today's episode. And I still feel like I have no control, even though I do, because I do all the things that these clean girl aesthetic girls do and I still don't feel like I'm them I still feel like an imposter I still feel like I'm not doing enough I still feel like I'm the odd one out and I know a lot of other girls feel this way but I wonder if I would feel prettier or cleaner if I grew up in a wealthier or cleaner house with a parent that didn't smoke not to say that I want that but I wonder if I did have any of that if things would come more naturally to me, if the clean girl aesthetic would come naturally to me. Again, not saying that's what I want, but I wonder if that's part of the reason I feel like I'll never fit that mold or that category. Okay, moving on. This one kind of goes off of my home life during elementary school, middle school, even high school, and that is my parents fighting. For the majority of my life, my parents fought. They pretty much fought all the time, not to out them. But I had to sit through all of it alone because my brothers are older and they were in college or they were working. There were so many nights where I would just lock myself away in my room and listen to them fighting or it would just be a random night. We're all sitting on the couch and then all of a sudden 
they're fighting. And I just never knew when it was going to happen. But I knew when it would happen that it was going to be chaotic and stressful and just really hard on me, but also hard on everyone. And obviously your home is supposed to be a safe environment. And not to say that I was ever in danger, but for a lot of my time living there, I was in fight or flight. I was very stressed out. Fighting is scary as it is. No kid wants to sit through their parents or anyone fighting. But I also was just terrified that my parents were going to get a divorce. And I don't even think I knew what a divorce was, but I knew I didn't want them to get one. I didn't want them to not live in in the house with me. I didn't want them to not be together. So whenever they would fight, I was really, really afraid that it would happen because I would overhear in the conversations and in the fights of, I'm done, we're getting a divorce. So even though I didn't really know what it meant, I knew it wasn't good. With them fighting so often, I started to associate loud noises and yells with them fighting. So even if they weren't fighting and I would hear a loud noise or a loud bang, my mind immediately went to danger. My body immediately went into fight or flight. So even though that happened so long ago and I'm an adult now and I don't even live with my parents, I still feel that fear and anxiety that I did when all of that was happening. I live in a beautiful house with my boyfriend. We have a beautiful relationship, a healthy relationship. He doesn't raise his voice at me. I'm in no danger whatsoever. But even now, I'll be in the shower and I hear a loud bang or, you know, he, he's playing video games so he might yell while he's playing with his friends. And immediately... I start shutting down. And some might say it's PTSD. Who's to say? Maybe my therapist. Maybe my doctor. But when I hear these loud noises, I'm transported to that time of being a child locked in my room, so scared. And it's really triggering. It's a really hard thing to navigate and get through because there's nothing happening. The fear that I'm feeling, the anxiety that I'm feeling isn't real. But my mind's bringing me back to a time that it was real. And the feelings that I felt when it was real are resurfacing. My my body can't distinguish between what is real and what is not. It's just taking those memories, copying and pasting it to right now, and reacting. Even when someone raises their voice at me now, I still experience the same tightness in my chest, the same adrenaline the same anxiousness, the same fear that I did when I was younger. And it's important that I recognize that my body reacts the way that it does because let's just say that my boyfriend and I are having a little teeny tiny argument and it seems like he's raising his voice at me. My body automatically wants to shut down, but that's obviously not productive That's not going to help the situation. It's not going to de-escalate the situation at all. So being able to recognize in that moment that I'm feeling the way that I am because of my trigger, not because of the situation, not because my boyfriend's yelling at me, not because I'm in danger. It's okay for me to feel the way that I am, but it's also okay for me to take a step back and assess the situation and ask myself, am I feeling the way that I am because of what's going on right now 
Or am I feeling the way that I am because of what happened in my past? More times than not, when I am able to recognize that I'm acting off of past emotions rather than current emotions, I have a much easier time calming myself down, a much easier time being able to communicate how I'm feeling, and a much easier time problem solving how to resolve the conflict or whatever I'm going through at the time. Okay, moving on to number three, we're done talking about my parents. Hopefully they're not listening. They're probably like, thanks for talking shit about us for the last, I don't know, 20 minutes. Love them. Seriously, love them so much. Number three is being told I eat a lot. I had a really good relationship with food for the majority of my life. My family's always been good at eating. I grew up eating really large meal portions, big Italian dinners, We ordered takeout a lot. We always had snacks in the house. Like I grew up knowing how to eat, especially because I have two brothers. We were always grubbing. Now a word from our sponsor, Uncommon Goods. I am very competitive. I mean, I'm an Aries. Come on. We know this. And my competitiveness definitely comes out during the holidays because I want to give the people I love the best gifts. I want to be the best gift giver. If you're like me and you're looking for the perfect gift for the perfect people in your life, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what those people want. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. They're also made by small artists and independent businesses. Because the products on Uncommon Goods are made in such small batches, they're so rare, which makes them so meaningful, and you definitely don't have to worry about buying someone a gift that they already have or someone else is going to buy them. I know I should be telling you all the gifts I got for my friends and family right now, but I want to tell you what I would be getting if I was shopping for myself on Uncommon Goods. I would absolutely buy myself the wine bottle drinking glasses in the green and blue, the stay cool adjustable laptop desk so I can work from my bed and have a little spot to put my coffee on, and then the super plush confetti robe. It's so colorful, cozy, and I just want it so bad. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash That's uncommongoods.com slash for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Thank you, Uncommon Goods, for sponsoring today's episode. But because of how good my relationship was with food, I would eat as much as I wanted without even thinking. Also, I had a really fast metabolism as a kid. I also was very active. I was always running around, dancing, doing something. So I was naturally pretty skinny. So if I was hungry, if I was bored, if there was food around, I was picking it up and I was eating it. I was putting it down. I have always enjoyed eating. Food has always been one of my favorite things. It's something that I love to connect with people about, but my relationship with food started to turn when people started making comments about how much I was eating. I became known as the friend who eats so much, who's always eating. At first it was funny because it's like, okay, yeah, duh, I I do like to eat. It almost became a cute little personality trait. But once I realized it was always being brought up when I ate and almost being weaponized against me I would hear my friends talking about their struggles with food which sucks like I don't want to hear my friends talk badly about themselves I don't want them to put themselves down but for them to talk about their struggles and then be like 
oh, I wish I was like you, Ashley. Like you could eat whatever you want and not gain weight. You're always eating. If I ate like you do, I would gain so much weight. Like I don't know how you do it. You eat so much. It almost felt like I was doing something wrong. Like I shouldn't be eating as much as I do. I started to feel bad when I was eating out of guilt of others because I didn't want them to feel bad when I was eating around them. But also it made me think, okay, I guess other people don't eat the way that I do. So what I'm doing is wrong. So I probably shouldn't. It didn't just stop at friends. I would be at home and I would go for seconds or thirds. I would be at Christmas eating so much food because it's fucking Christmas and there's delicious food on the table. And I would hear relatives say, you just ate. How are you still hungry? How are you still going for more? Recently, I was at this thing with my boyfriend and one of his relatives, which I know he means no harm by this, but we were like at a barbecue and I was just eating food, eating hot dogs, burgers, wings, whatever was in front of me, I was eating because I think it was actually during my 75 day hard challenge. So they were all drinking and I couldn't drink. And in my mind, it's like, well, if I can't drink, I'm going to grub. Like, I'm going to eat food. And he said something along the lines of, like, I knew that you had brothers when I saw how much you eat. Like, you are putting that food down. And it's funny because it's true. And I was. And I do have two brothers. And I did learn how to eat good because of them. But it's like, why did you have to make that comment? Why does it matter how much I'm eating? Why are you focused on how much I'm eating? Like, I couldn't tell you what people around me were eating I couldn't tell you how many plates they had so how do you know how much I had why were you looking at me eating and again I I know he meant no harm by it but it triggered me because of the comments that I would get growing up about how much I ate because of the comments that I would get and even still get or whenever I'm reminded of the things people would say about me when it came to food I now find myself being very aware of how much I'm eating when I am around other people. I'm afraid that people will notice how much food I've had. I find myself holding back from eating as much as I want to eat or going for seconds out of fear of looking like I'm eating more than others. I am someone who doesn't want to pass up a good dessert. Like if I'm at a restaurant and they have a chocolate lava cake with vanilla ice cream, yeah, I want that. But I find myself when I'm in groups of people seeing if they want dessert first if someone else brings it up because I don't want to be the one to be like should we get dessert because I don't want to be judged and have people say how are you still hungry like we just ate so much how can you even fit that in your stomach one thing about me is I will always have room for dessert but I find myself not saying that not recommending that we get dessert and I know that's something I have to work on because what if there's someone else that wants dessert what if they're waiting for me to say something I also try to remind myself that it doesn't matter how much I'm eating like I don't notice how much others are eating because I don't care so if they care how much I'm eating that's a them problem the only time I find myself looking around to see how much others are eating is because I'm insecure And I don't want others to judge me. So if they're looking at me thinking the same problem, that's on them. And I feel bad for them. I feel bad they feel insecure about how much they're eating. And if they do, that's even more of a reason for me to eat more. 
and eat what I want to encourage others to do the same. That food is not our enemy. Food is not a bad thing. Food is fuel and should be something to celebrate and have fun with and connect with. And I don't ever want to restrict myself and not have that just because I'm afraid of what others think of me. Just because I'm triggered by these things doesn't mean that I can't work against them. Just because I'm experiencing these emotions that I once felt doesn't mean that I have to continue feeling them. It's okay to realize, okay, I'm being triggered by this, but it's even more okay to stop and say, all right, we're done with that. My stomach's growling so bad right now. I'm so sorry, probably because I'm hungry. Number four is kind of like number three, worrying about what others think, feeling like you're being judged, feeling embarrassed. And that is being triggered off of an experience that I had almost missing the bus. When I was in elementary school, I was at the bus stop with one of my neighbors and he challenged me to a race. And if you don't know, I am an Aries. I'm very competitive. So I was like, fuck yeah, like you're going down. I'm about to smoke you. And naturally, as we're at the farthest part of the street, like so far away from the bus stop, the bus pulls up. We're so far away. Like it's not like a cute little jog that we can do to the bus. Like I had to sprint to make the bus. The bus was not waiting. So I had to run back. Keep in mind, I do have asthma. Had to run back trying not to miss the bus. And I know it seems so insignificant, so stupid. Like, okay, everyone misses the bus. It's not that big of a deal. But I genuinely felt so embarrassed and also anxious. One, because I thought I was going to win the little race and I didn't. So that sucks. That bruised my ego. But two, everyone on the bus is watching me run to make it. Everyone's watching me struggle to race to this bus. And then I have the fear of missing it and having to explain to my parents why I missed the bus. The bus driver was a cunt, sorry, but and not cunt in a good way, like not cunty, like she was a cunt. And I could tell that she was pissed that she had to wait. And then once I got on the bus, I looked disheveled, out of breath. Oh, and my crush at the time was also on the bus, just glaring at me. It was so embarrassing and just not a good experience at all. And you might be like, okay, what could you possibly be triggered by then? Like, what does this have to do with anything? Why does this matter? Now as an adult, and honestly, just since that experience happened, which was so long ago in elementary school, I have to be on time to everything. And not only on time, I have to be 10 to 20 to 30 minutes early. If I am not early, I am late. If I am not early, I am having a panic attack. If I have to go anywhere and be somewhere at a certain time, Leading up to that time, I am the most insufferable person to be around because my anxiety turns me into a monster. If you are not moving at the same pace as me, if you are not working with me to get me from point A to point B, I am not fun to be around. We are not on the same team. Like obviously I don't want to be late to things because I want to be professional, but it's mostly because I don't want to upset that person that's waiting on me. I don't want to appear as if I'm not prepared or ready I am terrified of walking in late and people staring at me and judging me like in college 
if I missed the bus to go to class or if I knew I was going to be late, I would rather miss the class entirely than walk in late to a lecture hall. That is my worst nightmare. If I have to go somewhere and I'm driving my car, I am flying. I am screaming at every car in front of me to get out of my way. I'm cursing out every single person on the road. I am having the same heart palpitations, the same anxiety, the same chest tightness that I did when I was chasing that bus. And it isn't until I get to the place that I realize how chaotic and delusional I was being because I get there and I'm like, okay, 30 minutes early. Was it, did I really have to stress out that much? No, I didn't. But every single time I will do that. Even though I know I don't have to, my body does not let me because my body is triggered and my body thinks we gotta go. We're gonna miss whatever it is, even though clearly not the case. I'm gonna share two more. I am at that point in the episode where I'm like, okay, is this episode going the way that I want? Like, is this relatable or am I just trauma dumping? Is this gonna help any of you? I don't know, but we're too far in. So let's finish the last two. Number five, Friends not inviting me to things, sneaking behind my back. So now I think everyone is like that. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have always been the best friend. Like I wouldn't have wanted to be my friend in middle school or high school. But in college, I tried so incredibly hard to be a good friend and to keep friendships because I was struggling in every other part of my life so hard, whether it was my relationship my mental health, my family. So friendships were the one thing that I thought could keep me sane, that I really cherished, that I really valued. I had friends in high school who didn't want to be friends anymore and their actions reflected it. Like they said they didn't want to be friends, so we weren't friends and it sucked, but it made sense. They were honest with how they felt. But what was really confusing to me was being in college and having friends who to my knowledge had no problem with me we had no issues we were friends we talked all the time things were great to my knowledge but they were acting as if we weren't friends they weren't inviting me to things they were texting in separate group chats they were leaving me out it was just really confusing to me because it was like I would have much rather them had said I don't want to be friends with you anymore like I'm acting this way because I don't like you than to make me feel crazy for being upset that my friends are treating me as if we aren't friends. I've spoken a lot about this on the podcast, but I was part of a very tight-knit friend group. There were a lot of unspoken rules, like everyone had to be in the group chat, and if you didn't want to be in the group chat, that meant that you didn't want to be friends. Everyone had each other's locations, and if you turned your location off, you were being sneaky or you were throwing shade, And at the time, I was okay with it being the way it was because I finally had friends. I I finally was accepted into something. And even though I was accepted into this friend group, I still felt like an outsider. I had the friends, I had the locations, I was in the group chat, but I was still being treated as if I wasn't. I would look at their locations and they were together without me. And it wasn't like they were talking in the group chat and I just missed the plans. There was no conversation in the group chat when they were together. I would spiral. I would be like, how did they make plans? 
if they weren't talking in the group chat, they must be talking on the side without me. They must have a group chat without me. They must be on the phone without me. But why wouldn't they want me there? If I was the one making the plans, I would have made sure to invite them because we're friends, I think. It's just a really awful feeling because you think when you grow up, the feeling of being left out and being unpopular, being rejected goes away and people are just nice and things are easy. But at this point in my life, I was in college. We were full grown adults. There's no reason to be feeling the way that I was. There's no reason for those people to be treating me the way they were. It brought me back to the feelings I had of losing my friends in school. But the only difference was those friends actually ended the friendship with me. These friends didn't. These friends were treating me as if I lost them when I didn't. But it almost felt worse because there's no clarity. It's just confusing. But because of my experience with these friends in college, I now have such a hard time trusting people and I get triggered when people say no to plans with me. My first immediate reaction is they're saying no to plans with me to go hang out with other people. Whenever someone's location isn't working, my first thought isn't, oh, they just don't have service or oh, their phone's off. It's, oh, they must have turned their location off so I can't see what they're doing. They must be doing something behind my back. Because of how those friends treated me and how unimportant they made me feel, how isolated they made me feel, I am so afraid that other people are going to treat me the same way. With all that being said, I do want to say that just because I have these trust issues and just because I'm triggered by a past friendship or friendships of mine doesn't mean that I have to take this out on my new friendships. Just because I have trust issues doesn't mean that I have to accuse them of doing something wrong. It doesn't mean I have to treat them unfairly just because of how I feel. How I feel has nothing to do with what they're doing until they prove me otherwise. So if you're feeling the same way, don't self-sabotage and ruin your friendships or relationships just because of how people in your past treated you. Just because there are things that trigger me, just because I've been hurt and I'm very precautious now and aware, doesn't mean that I go looking for these things in my friendships. I don't want my new friendships to crash and burn, but there are things that do resurface from my past friendships that I have to work through to make the new ones work. It is unfortunate that I have to try really hard to trust people and I have to work really hard now to keep friendships. But I am grateful that those people in my past did treat me the way they did. Not to say I deserved it, but I'm glad they did what they did because it showed me what it looks like to be a good friend. And now I know what I'm looking for in friendships. Whenever I find myself triggered by something in a friendship, I try to remind myself that I'm feeling the way that I am because of the people who left me behind not the people that are showing up for me today. If the people in my life right now start treating me the way the people in my past did, yeah, then we can walk away. But we're not going to walk away or make a whole big problem out of it until they prove us otherwise. And hopefully they don't. Hopefully they do love you and respect you and care for you the way you do for them. I have to remind myself not to ruin what I have now because of the things people ruined for me in the past. 
We have arrived at number six, the last one of today's episode, and that is my ex's mood changing being my fault. That is such a trigger for me and something that affects me so much to this day. I dated a guy who definitely struggled with his mental health, and I always say, you know, everyone's a mental health advocate until they see the ugly side of it and then they want nothing to do with it. That's not what I'm talking about here because I definitely dealt with it. I would have stayed with him because of how strongly I felt for him at the time. I cared for him so much, but it seemed like his mental health struggles were only put on to me. To me, it seemed like he treated me so badly and took everything out on me, but was so good to everyone else in his life. And maybe I'm wrong, but that's the way that it felt. It felt like his mood swings always fell back onto me. We would be having the best day. Nothing changed. Nothing happened, but his mood would change. We could be driving in the car and then he would go silent. And the second that he went silent, I would have a pit in my stomach because I knew somehow I did something wrong. I knew for the rest of the night, I would have to try to figure out what I did wrong, what happened. I would have to apologize for something I didn't do. And I would end up crying. I would be miserable and he would probably break up with me and I would be depressed for the next week or two. Literally, anytime his mood changed, I immediately thought it was my fault and it was something that I had to figure out or fix. Whenever we had a really high high, I knew there was a really low low coming. I knew if we had a really good night, that meant tomorrow I was going to wake up to a text saying we're over. Anytime things were good, it meant things were about to be bad. I was always thinking, okay, how much longer do I have of this before things are awful again? If he was short with me in a text, I knew I would be getting a breakup text soon. I knew I was going to be accused of something. I knew there was a fight coming. It really did seem like I was conditioned to manage someone else's emotions. And because I had to deal with this for an extensive amount of time, I would say about two years, it's still kind of engraved in me now. And even though my boyfriend and I have a great relationship, he's very open and honest with me. He's very lax, like he is the poster child for good mental health. And I love that for him. But whenever his mood does change, if he has a bad day, if he comes home from work, had a shitty day, I immediately relate that back to myself, which is, which is selfish. I know that. I know not everything's about me. But when he's not having a good day, I automatically take that on as my own and I think it's my fault. And it's not even my boyfriend. It could be anyone. If anyone's around me and they don't seem to be happy or they don't seem like they're having a good time, I immediately think it's something that I did wrong, that I'm not doing enough, that I'm being annoying, that I'm being too much, that I'm being too, I don't know. It always falls back onto it being my problem. Whenever anyone goes quiet, I immediately think it's something that I did or said and I just get so anxious. I literally feel like I could throw up. And I feel like when I ask them, hey, are you okay? What's wrong? It bothers them more. I always think about with my boyfriend, there's been so many times at dinner where he'll just go quiet and this man works. Like he works really hard. I don't blame him for being quiet after work. I don't blame him for just wanting to relax. 
But I think about these times at dinner with my boyfriend where we'll be talking and everything's really good. And then he just goes quiet and he's just eating his food. And I immediately ask him, what are you thinking about? And he knows I'm going to ask this. Like he even said before, like, I know exactly what you're you're going to say. I knew you were going to ask me that because my mind immediately jumps to you need to fix this right now. You need to figure out what he's thinking about. And if it's about you, you need to fix it. And I do this because I've been in that situation so many times of my ex going quiet on me and having to de-escalate a situation that I did not cause. I'm trying to get better at this because I know that someone else's emotions and what they're going through has nothing to do with me. Like if my boyfriend or my friend or my loved one is upset, I can be there for them, but I can't take on their pain. I can't blame myself for how they're feeling. I can't blame myself for them having a bad day. Some people just need to have a bad day. Some people just have to feel bad. And I know that I want to fix it and make them better. And I want them to enjoy their time when they're around me. But it isn't about me. If someone has a problem with me, they will tell me. And if they don't tell me, that's not my problem. If someone can't communicate with me and say, hey, Ashley, you did this and it hurt my feelings or I didn't like when you did this. There's no reason for me to be coming up with these scenarios in my head and trying to figure out what I did wrong. I think the reason why I assume that I'm always doing something wrong is because with my ex, any little thing I did was wrong. I could look out the window in the car and all of a sudden I'm searching for my ex's car. Me looking at a car that resembles a car that my ex drove must mean I'm thinking about him. I'm missing him. I'm looking for him. I posted a photo on Instagram and all of a sudden that meant I want other guys to talk to me. I want to date other guys. I picked up my phone while we were hanging out and that meant that I didn't appreciate him. That I'm talking to other guys. I'm texting other guys. It was just any little thing. So now it's like, okay, what if my current boyfriend thinks that too? What if he thinks that I did X, Y, and Z and it means this, this, and this? What if that's why he's quiet? He's thinking about something that I did a day ago. And that isn't healthy, obviously. And again, I'm trying to work on it. And if someone does have a problem with me, they will tell me. And if they don't tell me, that's not my problem. That's all for today's episode. My throat literally hurts from talking. Like I was just yapping too much today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that I helped you in some way. Again, if today's episode is one of those episodes where it's like I don't know if anyone's going to relate to this or understand what I'm talking about or if these are just my experiences but I'm hoping I put this out there and it helps even just one of you in some way and you're able to look at things that upset you and be like oh okay I'm feeling this way because of this other thing that happened to me and not actually because of what's going on right now. I think it's really important to be kind and patient with ourselves and never invalidate how we're feeling. Something really minor that you get upset over could actually be a big thing in the grand scheme of things. You're not upset that you burnt your toast. You're upset because you burnt your toast and it reminded you of a time you burnt your toast when you were a kid and your dad yelled at you really badly and now you're afraid of always doing things wrong. You're a perfectionist because of that. You know what I mean? Like if you really break it down, there's the root cause 
to why you're feeling the way you're feeling. So don't ever invalidate your feelings and tell yourself that you're being too overdramatic or you're being a baby for feeling the way that you are. There's a reason you're feeling the way that you're feeling and it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to process your emotions. And if you explain to the people around you, this is why I'm feeling the way that I am and they still don't understand it or they're not patient with you, then those aren't your people. I have just gone through my entire life of people telling me that I overanalyze everything and I am too emotional and maybe I am but just because other people don't understand the way that I'm feeling doesn't mean the way that I'm feeling is wrong and I would rather break down how I'm feeling and try to understand it by overanalyzing it than being told by others that whatever I'm upset about has no real cause or real meaning and that I'm overreacting about nothing because I know why I'm upset. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. The girls that get it, get it. The girls that don't, don't. But that's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you did like today's episode, if you like me, if you like Try Not To Care, make sure to give her a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen. It really does help me. Check out today's sponsors. They're really good ones and I love them so much. Check out my socials if you want to follow along, if you want to follow my 30-day glow-up challenge, if you want to be besties, all linked in the show notes. As always, thank you so much for listening, besties. I love you so much and I'll talk to you next Monday. Bye, besties.